Hi, this is Jason Cascarino. Welcome to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of the Remaking Middle School Initiative. You can learn about Remaking Middle School on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. Now, here's this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast where we explore the many facets that impact young adolescents in the middle school years, from the adverse, to the awkward, to the awesome. I'm your host, Jason Cascarino. Today, we have part two of my conversation with Ron Berger, longtime educator and program developer, and now senior advisor teaching and learning for EL Education. Beginning more than 30 years ago, AL Education was born out of the Outward Bound model of experiential learning that centers around young people and adults building strong bonds with each other and exploring and influencing the world together rather than alone. It's an approach to education that has particular residence for young adolescents. In Outward Bound, there's a phrase that came from the founder of Outward Bound, Kurt Hahn, which is, we are crew, not passengers. Like, we're in this together strengthened by acts of consequential service to others. And so it's about being a team. It's about that team approach. So the structure we use for the middle grades is students meet with their crew, which is a small group. It's not a full homeroom of 26 kids. It's, it's a group of 10 to 15 kids that meet every day in a small group and talk about their social and emotional health, talk about their families, talk about their lives, talk about how they're doing. They also talk honestly about how they're doing academically. Am I failing mathematics? Am I failing science? Like what's going on? And they hold each other accountable. It's a place where you can actually be honest about how you're doing personally, but also how you're doing academically. We don't separate those two. Here in part two of our conversation, Ron and I talk about EL's open source and highly rated and regarded English language arts curriculum and how it anchors experiential learning with rigorous and standards aligned content. We talk about EL's newer foray into social and emotional learning with its advisory program, Crew, And we address the state of education today, how to meet the moment for young people, given the impacts of the pandemic on learning, and for teachers amid the backlashes around addressing issues of equity. Previously in part one of our conversation, Ron and I talk about the genesis of EL education, the core features of its educational programs that appeal to young adolescent learning and development, like hands-on, real-world, group learning expeditions, and student-led assessment, plus examples from its partner schools on how these concepts of learning come to life. Part one is now available wherever you get your podcasts. And now, here is part two of my conversation with Ron Berger. EL's offerings have been touted in, in many ways, and, and, and one service offering in particular that has resonance for middle grades, I think, is your curriculum. Uh, you talked about how you've expanded from the school-wide model to doing professional learning. There's also a really strong and robust set of curricula for teachers. Uh, talk us a, a little bit about your, the curriculum approach, particularly in that, in that middle grades period. Ten years ago, we started to create a standards-based curriculum for K-8 to that would have a lot of these elements in it. Because it's a national curriculum, I mean national meaning anyone in any state can use it and it's free and you can download it from our website, it can't instantly be as localized as the examples I gave before. So I think it can't be bringing you out into your community to interview your own local civil rights heroes. 
But what it could do is create the anchor texts and tasks and assessments that allow you to look at a topic like civil rights. And then the extension to that could be you actually can now look in your community. So if if the if the topic is, for example, for fifth grade, we have the opening, the opening module of our fifth grade curriculum is human rights. And so kids read the Universal Declaration of Human Rights that came from the United Nations. And they think about what are basic human rights? Like, is literacy a right? Should food be a right? Should health be a right? Like, what should our rights be? And for kids just coming into a sense of justice and fairness, it's very powerful. So we tried to build the same kind of ideas that I was talking about in learning expeditions into a free national curriculum that anyone could access that's also perfectly aligned with common core state standards. So if you use the curriculum, you don't have to worry about, am I meeting my ELA standards? Because you know they're there. And fortunately, it has done well. It was rated uh, number one in the country by Ed Reports, which is like the consumer reports of curriculum. So like every student in Detroit and Oakland and, and Richmond and Raleigh and Charlotte are using this curriculum now because it gets them motivated. It's harder than a usual curriculum. Like it, the, the standards are very high, but it taps into what kids care about. Teachers can, you said, download the, the curriculum and use it sort of on their own. I imagine you have a lot of folks who also reach out to you saying, hey, EL, can you help us implement this curriculum or get us acclimated to it and help us to how to, how to use it really effectively? So how, how does that process work in terms of partnering with, with schools or, or districts? We are well-meaning and we're a nonprofit, but we also can't go bankrupt. So the way we were able to give away our curriculum for free, and you can download all of it from our website. Most of the large districts, Jason, that work with us, places like Charlotte, Mecklenburg and Wake County and Hamilton County, Tennessee and Detroit, Michigan, realize that teachers need professional learning to go along with the curriculum. And that's how we can stay afloat financially, is that they hire our coaches to come in and work to directly with teachers to pivot to a curriculum that's much more kid-centered where kids have a lot more voice, where they present their thinking, critique each other's thinking, present their learning. It's not a sit and listen curriculum. It's an active curriculum. And so it's a switch for teachers. And it also has higher level books than teachers are often used to working with. So there's a learning curve about how do you support kids to grapple productively with harder texts. Let's segue into social emotional learning. We've talked about how EL's approach is nicely attuned to young adolescent development. So I imagine you might say that the core EL model has always had SEL dimensions, but it sounds like you've gotten more intentional and explicit about supporting social-emotional competencies. You were recently featured in a New York Times article, and which was focused on mental health, which is one of the most top-of-mind issues in our space right now. EL has a program called CREW, which takes advantage, as I understand it, of the classic homeroom period to create a space for young people that focuses, it sounds like, more on relationships and life experience and what they're facing and dealing with right from the jump of the of the school day. Tell me how CREW came about and what is in it and what what happens in it. Sure. And first, I would say, Jason, that because we came from Harvard and Outward Bound Roots, we don't ever separate character from academics. We feel like students are always living the learning experience. Their, their character is growing in their classes always. And so we either have to be intentional about that or be haphazard about it. And it's better to be intentional. 
But there's also this dedicated period every day, which most schools would think of as an advisory period. And we call that advisory period crew because of our outward bound crew uh, roots. In Outward Bound, there's a phrase that came from the founder of Outward Bound, Kurt Hahn, which is we are crew, not passengers. Like we're in this together, strengthened by acts of consequential service to others. And so it's about being a team. It's about that team approach. So the structure we use for the middle grades is students meet with their crew, which is a small group. It's not a full homeroom of 26 kids. It's, it's a group of 10 to 15 kids that meet every day in a small group and talk about their social and emotional health, talk about their families, talk about their lives, talk about how they're doing. They also talk honestly about how they're doing academically. Am I failing mathematics? Am I failing science? Like what's going on? And they hold each other accountable. It's a place where you can actually be honest about how you're doing personally, but also how you're doing academically. We don't separate those two. So it's a daily meeting and it's not 10 minutes like homeroom. It's 30, 40, 50 minutes of real intense talk. And so many middle schools or middle grades situations in a K to eight or a six to 12 school would say, we just can't take the time for that. And I think, yeah, but at what price? Like if this is the time that you make sure kids are okay and working hard and succeeding, like isn't that the most important period of the day in some ways? And so I think many of our kids would say they're succeeding in school because of crew because they have a family at school that keeps them on track. It strikes me as the, that is a pretty significant moment of vulnerability. Like they're really kind of showcasing their, their life and their life experience in some cases that may be, may be challenging. Does that evolve? I imagine it evolves over time. You know, a sixth grader, say, is at a, starts at a certain place, but then once they get to eighth grade, maybe they're leading these discussions. These, you know, the, the, is, is you seeing that kind of evolution in, in, in that programming? Absolutely so. And there are some schools, we don't mandate how the structure of crew happens in schools, but many schools have a structure where sixth graders, let's say they're a six through eight middle school model, sixth graders join a crew and they stay with those same 12 kids through seventh grade and through eighth grade. So there's the crew leader and their crew is like the family that stays the same. So as their life is going up and down, as they're transitioning between grades, as their life is going through the turmoil of adolescence, they have this stable family at school. Some middle schools or middle grades situations prefer to, to have a different crew leader and different crew each year. Both have advantages. Some even will have sixth, seventh and eighth graders all in one crew. Um, so that the older kids can be a good influence on the younger kids. But you're right, there's an evolution in kids' ability to understand themselves and speak about themselves. And, and I think kids do grow into leadership roles in crew, where often crews are run by students. Let's take a step back if we can, Ron. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like it's sort of a privilege to talk with someone who you outed yourself in terms of your longevity within this careers within the space. So, uh, but you are... You've been around a long time, and could you just sort of, what are your reflections or your thoughts? You know, we hear a lot about mental health crisis. We hear about all the learning loss and so forth. For an organization and for a team that has worked in the education space, particularly for underserved youth and for schools that need support, what is your what is your sort of state of the union address of of where of where we are today and and what more we could be we could be doing what and how folks like EL are kind of rising to the occasion and trying to meet the moment? 
Well, this is a rough time. I would say, Jason, I mean, I'm not alone in thinking this, but I think this is the hardest time I've ever seen in public education ever. And I think it's the confluence of, of two crises. The, the first is the pandemic, as you know, which is just really hard. And it really did take an emotional and social toll on kids and the loss of relationships and in, in-person learning. And when people talk about loss, they are thinking loss of math learning or English learning, but it's more than that. It's a loss of meaning. It's a loss of work habits, of academic identity, of academic motivation. On Friday, I was at an EL education school and I, I sat down with an eighth grade boy who had transferred into the school that year. And he said, you know, for a year and a half, I just didn't do school. We were remote and I just didn't even line. I didn't even sign in. I, I, I was just out. He said, I just played video games for a year and a half. I just like, I got lost in the system somehow that didn't even know. And I got in between schools and I'm trying to figure out how to do school again. And so this school is really helping me to get back in the swing. I think we underestimate how much kids at risk really lost momentum, not just content, but lost momentum and their academic identity during that time. And the other crisis is, is a crisis of a backlash against the growing equity movement in America, where there is an assault on teachers and, and leaders to, to just have kids talk about their identities of who they are, their racial identities, their gender identities, the, their, their backgrounds, like that should never be illegal. It should never be attacked. It should never, it's just, it's who people are. And, you know, we are trying to, we're trying to move ahead as a nation to be more just and more inclusive. And I, I'm so sad that schools are under attack right now for just trying to have honest conversations. I think the most important thing is not to go in with a deficit mindset, not to think kids are broken, not to just focus on all the things they didn't learn, but on thinking of the great potential they have, using an asset-based lens to look at kids and teachers right now to think these kids are capable of amazing things. These students that you think are broken, they're the same kids you're going to hire as your babysitter this weekend, right? Like they have amazing potential to be mature and deep and do great things. Like let's give them really challenging, meaningful work and, and not think of them as broken. Yeah, I had Dr. Ken Ginsberg from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia on the podcast and he talked a lot about the framing that we're putting on this space. That everybody talks about the crisis, whether it's crisis in learning and crisis in mental health. And he sort of pushed back, and not to downplay that it's not a crisis, but in terms of how we approach it and how we talk about it, to be more focused on the assets and to be more focused on some of the preventative things that we can do. Uh, the, the, and, I, and I think of things like crew, not only help kids deal with things, but also help them develop the skills that they can bolster themselves for, for supporting themselves kind of long-term. There really is a, a, a need we're seeing in schools to make kids feel like I want to be welcome at school. I want to feel like I belong there. I want to feel like my school has purpose. I don't want to be anonymous in my school. And so crew or any school advisory structure that's taken seriously, it can help be that for kids. They have, they have a crew leader or an advisor who they really believe in. And they have crewmates who are going to look out for them. Like it, it should feel like a team sport, not like an individual sport. We've talked about how EL has evolved over the years, the different service offerings. What's next for the organization? What do you all have cooking for the future? What, what, what more do you want to accomplish? 
it's interesting that you ask because it, it segues right into what we were just discussing, which is we uh, two years, three years ago, wrote a book on crew. I was one of the authors of that. And we produced 40 videos of crew and a free online toolkit for crew. But teachers, even after all that came out, we realized teachers needed more. They wanted daily lessons for crew, not lessons that they had to teach, but lessons that they could lean on if they wanted to use them. So my co-author of the book, Libby Woodfin, is leading a project to create a free crew curriculum of daily lessons if you wanted to use them. And we started with middle school, actually. And she spent a year working with middle school teachers to create a pilot, a beta version of that curriculum. And it's being tested this year in middle schools all over America. We're going to revise it in the spring and release it in the fall as a full-on open source product. So any any middle grades teacher listening here, a year from now, we should have a free curriculum online. And we hope it may go the route of our free ELA curriculum, our literacy curriculum, in the fact that it might start getting used by hundreds of thousands of uh, students as a free resource. So that's been a big push for us. And we're hoping to then create a 9 to 12 crew curriculum and a K to five crew curriculum so that we can spread that kind of structure for understanding and, and for holding kids and supporting them to more places. And it sounds like that I hear you right that in some way teachers that you partner with are kind of co-creating this. Our literacy curriculum, which is being used by about half a million kids right now, was written by teachers. The way we wrote that curriculum was we hired the best teachers we knew from each grade level to spend their summers and their weekends writing curriculum. We paid them to be curricular writers because those teachers could try out their lessons in their classroom the next week. And if it didn't work, they could tweak them. They could keep using them. So our whole literacy curriculum was written by teachers for teachers. Crew curriculum is exactly the same way. All the authors of our crew curriculum were middle grades teachers for our middle, middle grades crew curriculum. And it's being tested right now by middle grades teachers all over America in all different kinds of geographies. And they are tweaking it, critiquing it, pushing it, changing it, and will rewrite it in the spring based on all their feedback. And when it comes out in the fall, it will actually have been field tested for two years. Finally, Ron, I always ask this question of folks at the end, which is what's one thing that you'd like our listeners to take away from this conversation based on your work, making the educational experience for young people relevant and engaging and connected, things that You'd like educators both in school and in after school, you had mentioned after school and summer programs to know or be able to do. All of the listeners here who work with middle grade students know the potential of middle grade kids at their best, right? Like when they step up, there's almost no age in life when you're more idealistic, more willing to work together as a team to do something important. Certainly we can't have that opportunity every day at school all year long. If there's just a few times in the year when kids can do something great, do something meaningful beyond themselves in service of others, it can make the whole year a different place. Because there are kids who go to school and act disengaged and disaffected. And then on the weekend, they go on a church retreat that's building homes for Habitat for Humanity or, or helping out in a disaster area or working with younger kids in a daycare center. And those same disaffected kids all of a sudden become totally animated and dedicated and, and industrious and collaborative, and they feel proud of doing some service for others. If even a few times in the year, we can think of ways that we can tap into that ability of kids to serve others and do something great, to do something they're proud of, it will make the whole year different for them. 
Ron, I, I can't tell you how much EL has influenced my own view of what a great educational experience is. I'm just really grateful for the chance to talk with you, and I appreciate all the influential contributions you personally and EL has contributed to the field of education in this country. Just thank you for sharing that. It's, it's been a delight. Thank you, Jason. I'm honored to be on this broadcast and also just to be connecting with you and all these listeners who care about the lives of middle grades kids. That was Ron Berger, Senior Advisor, Teaching and Learning for EL Education. You can follow EL Education online at eleducation.org or on Twitter and Instagram at EL Education and on Facebook at EL Education, Inc. You can also follow Ron on Twitter at Ron Berger EL. Remember to look out for part one of my conversation with Ron Berger, which is out now on the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, where we feature conversations with researchers, practitioners, program developers, and advocates for young adolescents in the middle school years. Recently, I interviewed Johari Harris, Assistant Professor of Educational Psychology at Kennesaw State University. Johari is also the director of Educating for Democracy, an initiative housed at the University of Virginia designed to combine the science of adolescent learning and development with the teaching of critical histories and supporting justice-oriented civic engagement. Important efforts for young adolescents who are thinking more and more about issues of race and racism and how to address them. It is through the kind of resistance and the pushback against these threats to democracy throughout history that we have kind of moved towards progress. And so, you know, providing that, say, background to early adolescents in particular, because we know they're seeing this information and we're all and we're not giving them the tools that was like, like not trusting their resilience and, and shaping this to be a better outcome. You can listen to both parts of my conversation with Jahari wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for joining the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of Remaking Middle School, an initiative that seeks to transform the learning and development experience for young adolescents in the middle school years. Remaking Middle School brings together good educational practice in school and out of school with the latest developmental science. You can learn about Remaking Middle School or find more resources about the topics of this podcast on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. The Lessons in Adolescence podcast is produced by Abby Gillespie and me, Jason Cascarino. Editing by Paige Waterhouse. You can listen to or download each episode at the Remaking Middle School website, on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>